From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, welcome to Washington Watch, friends. If you're listening to our program by radio today, you will immediately recognize this is not actually Tony Perkins. I'm, I'm Mike Johnson, a congressman representing Louisiana's 4th Congressional District, vice chairman of the House Republican Conference of Constitutional Law, attorney and a former religious liberty defense litigator. I'm just delighted to be here with you today. Tony's traveling back to Washington this afternoon. Some important work he's been involved in uh, in the past couple of days in California. I'm sure he'll be telling the audience all about that uh, later this week. But uh, I've known and worked uh, closely with Tony for more than a, a quarter century. We began uh, in our home state, uh, Louisiana, uh, and now in our nation's capital. And I'm always happy to fill in for him whenever that is uh, asked of me. Uh, we're broadcasting today from a studio in Baton Rouge down in Louisiana, where I'm in town for a few events. Um, worthy of note, I spoke uh, briefly to my former colleagues in the state legislature here earlier today in, in both the House and the Senate. Uh, they're in the final stretch right now, as many state legislatures are around the country, of a high-stakes legislative session. And last night, uh, my wife Kelly and I had the great privilege to speak to an auditorium full of some of the brightest and most promising high school and college students in America here at the Louisiana Family Forum's Leadership Academy. It's a great event. And I'll tell you, we, we were just so encouraged by the talent and the optimism and the promise of that group of young people. It, it was a reminder to us that there is great reason for hope for America. Our, our general theme last night was the same theme that I thought we would, would really be a timely and important one for us on the broadcast today, and that is defending truth in an age of unbelief. And in this hour, I've got lined up some of the best voices in the world on this subject and its various aspects, including uh, my dear friends Ken Ham, who's the CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis and one of the most in-demand Christian speakers in North America, uh, Dr. Brad Jerkovich, who's one of the leading conservative pastors of the Southern Baptist Convention, the nation's largest non-Catholic denomination, Congressman Burgess Owens of, of Utah, former NFL great and now a big star and critical voice with us in the Congress, and Ray Comfort, last but not least, the founder and CEO of Living Waters and best-selling author of more than 90 books, co-host of the award-winning TV program Way of the Master. What a lineup. You don't want to miss a minute of our discussion today. Without further ado, I want to get right into this. And really, one of the things that brought our attention to this subject and, and really has us now spending a lot of time in prayer about this issue are some of the recent statistics that we're seeing across the country. We have recent stats about the rise, for example, of unbelief and decreasing church membership among Americans. And, and that has been rather alarming for those of us that care about the future of this country and all the implications that come from those statistics. It was just, um, just a few, several weeks back, March 29th, in fact, uh, the Gallup organization published a poll with this headline. It said, U.S. church membership falls below majority for the first time in U.S. history. And they had some statistics there and charts and explained all of that. Reading from an excerpt here, it says that the poll explained that, quote, U.S. church membership was 73% when Gallup first measured it in 1937. It's remained near 70% for the next six de decades before beginning a steady decline around the turn of the 21st century. And the pollsters further explain that the decline in membership is tied to an increase in a lack of religious affiliation. As, as we all recognize, more and more Americans are expressing no religious preference uh, to these polls when they're asked about their beliefs. 
And over just the past two decades, listen to this, the percentage of Americans who do not identify with any religion has grown from just 8% in 1998 to 13% in 2008 and 21% over just the past three years. So we, we need to be addressing, I think, the root causes of this phenomenon and discussing what to do about it. And there are a few people in, in engaging more in this arena than our first guest, my good friend, Ken Ham. He's, I mentioned, the CEO and the founder of Answers in Genesis, the, the highly acclaimed Creation Museum, and the world-renowned now, Ark Encounter, all there in the state of Kentucky. He's one of the most in-demand Christian speakers in anywhere, and that's for good reason. And he has one of the best accents I've ever heard. My, my, my friend, uh, are you with us? Thank you so much for, for, for uh, joining us today. Uh, hi, Mike. It's uh, great to be with you. And uh, yes, people tell me this accent from Australia, doesn't matter what I say, they just like to hear me saying it. So therefore, I can say anything. You always sound so intelligent, what, whatever you're saying. It's the accent. It's, and I'm envious of it because I'm from Louisiana. Mine's not nearly as great as yours, Ken. But look, um, if, you're, if you're watching us on the television broadcast, you'll see there's an amazing view uh, over his uh, shoulder there. And, and uh, if you're listening to the radio, you won't see it. But Ken's joining us via Zoom from his office in Kentucky. And we, we can see right behind him the massive arc through the window. Um, that, that's an enviable view you have as well, my friend. <laughs> Well, I think it's uh, the most unique office view in the entire world because nobody has a view of Noah's Ark. <laughs> You're looking at it live right now here in northern Kentucky, and actually you probably can see some people walking around. We have thousands of people coming every day and have done, actually, since we reopened after the shutdown. And actually, we've been seeing numbers even equal to or better than our 2019 numbers. So people are really hungry for the truth and pouring in here with their families, their children, and many people are telling me, look, we see what's happening in the nation, and we want to go to a Christian, family-friendly, God-honoring facility and teach our children the truth. And I'm even finding 30% non-Christians coming to the Ark Encounter, the Creation Museum, who say they're concerned about what's happening in the nation, and they want to hear what we Christians have to say. That, it is such a, a strategic and uh, uh, really a creative means to defend and advance the truth of Scripture in our time. And, and you speak all over the country and the world on this subject, Ken. Um, you know, the Ark Encounter is one way to bring people to this recognition of the truth that, you know, what we read in the Bible are actual historical events and that there are implications to what you do with all these stories in the Bible there. But, but how do you encourage believers today to, to confront all of the competing claims to truth that are just so pervasive in the culture today? You talk about this all the time. Give us a little snapshot of that. Well, you know, I think one of the problems is, I think in many ways, many churches have really failed to teach in a number of particular areas to help people know how to be able to communicate the Christian message in today's world. And for instance, a lot of times when we go out there and we want to talk about the abortion issue or the gay marriage issue, you know that the secular world will say, oh, that's hate speech, and they accuse us of hate speech. But I think it's important for people to know why that is so, because it's a, it's a clash at a worldview level but it's really a foundational issue. And what I mean by that is, you know, we need to understand, first of all, that there's no neutral people. You know, people have the idea today, and I think churches haven't taught correctly in many ways for people to understand everyone is biased in one particular way or another. The Bible says you're either for Christ or against. You walk in light or darkness, you build your house on the rock or you build your house on the sand. And from a Christian perspective, you know, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So we're all, we're all uh, sinners 
and the non-Christian is biased against God. So there's no one who is neutral. There's no neutral person out there. And secondly, we need to understand everyone has a religion. Everyone has a belief system. And that belief system either starts from man's word or God's word. And that has a bearing on your morality. If you start from man's word, who decides right or wrong? You do. Who decides good or bad? You do. Start from God's word. Who decides right or wrong? God does. Uh, Who tells us what's good and what's bad? God does. And in fact, then we need to understand that really all all of our doctrines as Christians have a foundation in God's word, but in Genesis 1 to 11. And a lot of churches have said Genesis 1 to 11 doesn't matter. It's not important. But marriage is founded in Genesis 1 to 11, two genders, Genesis 1 to 11. When God made marriage, it was one man and one woman. And so marriage is a God-ordained institution, and it's God who invented marriage, you know, not the Supreme Court justices or the President of the United States. It's God who invented marriage, and so it comes from the Bible, and it's a male and female, man and woman. God made male and female. That's what the Bible says. We know man is made in God's image, therefore abortion is killing a human being uh, made in God's image. What we need to understand, all of our doctrines, the whole gospel message is founded in Genesis 1 to 11. And many of our children, 90, 95% of them from church homes have gone to the public schools where they've been taught uh, naturalism, that is atheism, that you can explain everything by natural processes. They're taught naturalistic evolution as fact. They come to many of our churches and homes and they ask questions about this and, and they're told, well, don't worry about that, just trust in Jesus. But the problem is, We need to be teaching them how to answer the false things that they've been taught, and that's called apologetics, so they know how to defend the faith. They know how to answer these sceptical questions. And then when you go out and talk to somebody, instead of arguing at this worldview level, like when somebody comes to me and says, well, I disagree with you, I believe in gay marriage, and I'm a homosexual, and I say, okay, can I explain why I believe what I do? I start from the Bible. Then they say, oh, we don't believe the Bible. Don't give me that stuff. We don't believe in religion. Well, a lot of Christians just then give up the Bible and say, okay, let me try some arguments then. Whereas I say, don't give that up. What you need to do is, because if you give up your foundation of God's word, then the others have won the argument because the only other foundation is man's word. And so what you need to say is, you don't believe the Bible? What I do? And I'm a Christian and this is where I start. And this is why I believe what I do. Why don't you believe the Bible? And in a sense, I bait them because I know what they've been taught in their schools and universities. Why don't you believe the Bible? Do you think science has disproved the Bible? Where do you believe life came from? What, what do you believe? Where does your ideas come from? How do you determine what's right and wrong? And why should somebody else have the same view as you? And so I teach them to argue foundationally. And I think that's what's been missing in many ways uh, from our churches is teaching people to understand that we need to think foundationally, know what we believe, why we believe what we do, and have been equipped with answers to defend the Christian faith because then we won't be intimidated when we go out to confront the world. And I think a lot of people get intimidated because they're not equipped with those answers. Ken, I haven't interrupted you one time because it's all so good, and we could unpack that. We could use a whole program in doing it. The two verses come to mind, 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have, and that's what Answers in Genesis does so well, preparing believers to give those answers. And uh, and, and in Jude 3, contend for the faith. We're all called to do that. All believers are, and uh, it's such an important message. Before I forget, and we have to go to a break here in a moment, What what's the best way? You have so many resources out there. What's the best way to access that? Give us the website, Ken. Uh, the best way is answersingenesis.org, answersingenesis.org. And Mike, a brand new book of mine that comes out tomorrow does exactly what I talked about today. And it's called Divided Nation from answersingenesis.org. 
Wow, that, that is a timely topic. I need to uh, give copies to my colleagues in Congress, Ken. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about the book, what inspired it. We got about maybe a minute and a half left in the segment. Well, the book is called Divided Nation, Cultures in Conflict and a Church in, uh, uh, Cultures in Chaos and a Church in Conflict, I should say, and that's a subtitle. And it really deals with those issues I talked about, challenging the church, that we have got to raise up generations to think foundationally, to know what we believe and that there's no neutrality and everyone has a religion. And we need to be teaching generations to be equipped with answers to be able to defend the Christian faith. That's what we do through the Ark Encounter, through the Creation Museum. There's just been such a lack of teaching of apologetics. And I'm encouraging people to get this message and teach it all across the nation. In fact, we supply a link to all my illustrations I use in my talks to do this so that they can go and teach this message. We need to get people educated that there's too much biblical illiteracy out there and we need to equip them with these answers so that they can be confident and bold. And we need leaders being bold to lead people to defend the Christian faith. That's exactly right. So well said. As I said, we could have an entire few programs with Ken just unpacking everything that he touched on there. But go to the website, go to the museum, and go to the Ark Encounter. It is a life-changing experience, and I'm shamelessly plugging that for you today, Ken. Thanks for being with us. God bless you. God continue to have his favor on the ministry. Thanks a lot, Mike. You got it. Stay with us. Uh, Much more with Washington Watch and some outstanding guests, as I told you here uh, at the outset. Uh, We're going to be talking about how to defend truth in an age of unbelief. We're just getting started. Uh, Don't go away. We'll be right back. What is Roe v. Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com. Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? 
Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Mike Johnson filling in for Tony Perkins, a member of Congress from Louisiana, and having much more fun here today in the studio filling in for Tony than I would be on Capitol Hill. But we will get right back to it. As we mentioned before the last break, the theme of the day, today's program is defending truth in an age of unbelief. And there's so many aspects of this that we could unpack. I've asked some of my closest friends to be on the program today, and Ken Ham was a, a great guest in the first segment. And the next, I'm, I'm really uh, excited to introduce to you. Uh, virtually all of America's Christian churches and denominations are facing unprecedented challenges right now. In America's largest non-Catholic denom- denomination, that's the 16 million Southern Baptist Convention, is uh, no exception to that. Uh, recently, some of the leading pastors in the denomination got together and launched a new project to directly address some of these challenges. And, and one of those leaders is my own pastor and my dear friend, Dr. Brad Jerkovich. He is the pastor of First Baptist Church, Bossier City, and in uh, the Bossier City, Shreveport, Louisiana area, if you know the region. It's one of the largest and most historic churches in the Southern Baptist Convention, one of the most active, and I am uh, delighted to have him with us. Pastor Brad, thanks for being with us today. Can you hear me okay? I can. Great to see you, Congressman. Yes, sir. Thanks for doing this on short notice. Uh, Really appreciate it. Tell us about the Conservative Baptist Network why it was created, and and what the purpose is. Well, I'll tell you what, we are burdened for America. Um, We understand that the the underpinning, our foundation, needs to be a trust in God, that spiritual foundation. And so the Southern Baptist Convention has been an incredible influence in our culture against so many things that, um, you know, we want God to do some great things in America. But when you see a denomination being impacted negatively by different things on the theological front, the cultural front, you start to go, wait a minute, we want to stay strong and dynamic so we can continue to influence our culture and reach people with the good news of Jesus. And so we, we saw this drift, you know, and, and we said, wait a minute, what can we do? And so a lot of pastors and leaders had been writing letters or addressing issues and things of that nature. But when you don't see the needle moving in a way that you're going, okay, I'm not sure we're standing as strong on the sufficiency of God's Word as we need to be. What do we do? Well, you can sit there and say nothing and do nothing. You can walk away, or you can get engaged. And so there were several pastors from across the country that met and prayed uh, about a year and a half ago and said, God, what do we do in the Southern Baptist life? And so we said, we want to be in the Southern Baptist Convention, but we want to influence it in a positive way. And so we began to pray, and we, we formed what's simply called the Conservative Baptist Network which is within the SBC, but obviously we want to speak into things, address things, because, you know, when you stand together 
There's just a much stronger voice, a more cohesive uh, approach, and it's really caught fire across the denomination, and we're grateful for how the Lord's using it. Well, I, I love the uh, the mission statement, I guess, is what you would call it. The, the Conservative Baptist Network, it says, is a partnership of Southern Baptists where all generations are encouraged, equipped, and empowered to bring positive biblical solutions that strengthen the SBC in an effort to fulfill the Great Commission and influence culture. That's a mouthful, but, I mean, that, that says it all. Um, yeah. And as you said, it's really uh, taken off. Um, there's a, a huge uh, network of support for this, and I think you've got thousands of churches now and leaders all across yeah. the country. Um, The first question would be, how do pastors and laypersons get involved in this movement if that's something that really God moves on their heart? Well, it's really cool. Obviously, you can visit our website, conservativebaptistnetwork.com, but what we're seeing, congressmen, as well across the country are state chapters forming all across the country, from literally California to the Northeast, from Carolina, Florida, all throughout the South and the Midwest. We're seeing pastors engage, and it's going to take all of us taking a stand and making a difference. And so these state chapters are allowing pastors and churches to build relationships, connect, share. You know, one of the things that when you address issues like critical race theory or you're pushing back on a liberal drift drift in some way, sometimes as pastors you feel alone. You go, am I the only one that is burdened about this or concerned or seeing these things? And what the Conservative Baptist Network has allowed is for pastors to realize, number one, you're not alone. You're not the only one who's concerned or burdened about these things. And we can stand together, and there's strength and encouragement in that. That's why we're saying we want to equip, encourage, and empower uh, pastors and churches to be engaged. What's cool about the Southern Baptist denomination is the heartbeat of it is the local church. So when you get churches engaged, and what we had seen over the last five to seven years is pastors and churches disengaging from the Southern Baptist Convention. They're they're yeah. stepping away financially, relationally, because they're feeling like, well, maybe all these things we're dealing with in our culture at large, they're just, our convention's just bought into it all, and we're just going that way. Well, there's enough, a number of us that are going, no, this is our denomination. The majority of the SBC is not interested in a liberal drift. We want to be strong in the sufficiency of God's Word, and we're going to take a stand. So they can join, visit our uh, website, if they want to find a state chapter, if one's happened in their state as well, they can connect there. And then also they can be involved at the annual convention, which is Mammoth, which is happening next week in Nashville. Next week. So this is a timely interview, isn't it? Um, very, listen, we very much just a couple minutes left in the segment, but I want to ask you, you're one of the pastors who's never shied away from hot topics in, in our culture, and you've consistently used the pulpit to apply eternal truth of Scripture to the cultural issues and, and challenges that are facing the church. Why is it so important for pastors and clergy of all denominations to take on and, and not just avoid the so-called hard issues of the day? Well, I think, again, we're all faced with, we want to be accepted, we want to be liked, we want to, you know, all these things. But you know, and I know that God calls us to be salt and light in our culture. And so as a pastor, I think we have to understand our folks are dealing with these things. Well, they need the pastor from God's Word to shepherd them through that. God speaks to every issue and challenge in life, and we can be courageous when we know this is the Word of God. God's already spoken to this, so communicate it, apply it and be bold and courageous. And I had just seen time and time again, when God's men are are strong and bold, people follow that. They value that. And you know what? Our teenagers need to see that. Our college students need to see that. Um, you know, people of every age, they need to see that. And America's pastors and churches need to be strong during this time, and we could be strong together. 
That's one of the reasons why we're burdened about the SBC being strong. And, and here's another thing that I'm so appreciative of you, Congressman, and everything else is clarity. Our culture needs clarity. It's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to see a presidential candidate for the Southern Baptist Convention and Mike Stone. He's clear. He's, he's got conviction. We need that. And God honors that. Well, uh, it's a lot to uh, chew on. Uh, Dr. Brad Jerkovich, so grateful for your friendship, for your boldness, for your clarity, conviction, consistency. As you said, my friend, we need that so much in the culture. So Conservative Baptist Network is the uh, is the organization. You heard a little bit about it here, and and everybody can learn more uh, at the website, as you said. Encourage, equip, and empower the church. Man, we need that today. Pastor Brad, thanks for being with us, brother. We will talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. God bless you guys. Stay with us for Washington Watch. You got it. We'll be right back with more. Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app. As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview. a community now that lives the American dream, look around this room and see the middle class that we've developed and more. And yet we tell those who are striving to get where we are that they can't because white people won't let them. That to me is treacherous, it's traitors. Was to tell others who want the American dream that they can't achieve it because other people with a white skin can't, uh, won't let them do, do that. If you want to repay the black American community, give us back our history. Well, I am uh, so excited to continue our important conversation today with my next guest, who's quickly become, you just heard a little clip there, 
quickly become one of my dearest friends and, and closest colleagues in the House of Representatives. Burgess Owens is the congressman from Utah's 4th Congressional District. And that clip you just heard was from our House Judiciary Committee meeting on April 14th of this year, where uh, there was a, a discussion, a potential commission uh, would be created to study uh, reparations and uh, lots of other contentious issues that we do there in the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, we're so grateful to have Burgess there. Let me tell you just a little bit about his background. He's, he's pretty well known. You probably know some of his bio, but he was born in the segregated South. He saw people of all backgrounds come together to work tireless, tirelessly against adversity. And prior to coming to us in Congress, he played 10 seasons in the, in the NFL. He has a Super Bowl ring that we see every day in the meetings. Uh, he won that with the Oakland Raiders in 1980. And he worked in corporate America for a while. He started Second Chance for Youth, which is a nonprofit dedicated to helping troubled and incarcerated young people. He joined us in Congress this year. And I'm telling you, this, my friend, he hit the ground running from day one. He serves as a member of the House Education and Labor Committee and the House Judiciary Committee, where we work together every day. And, and he's one of the most effective voices, I believe, in America, advancing faith and family and free markets and quality education and our core conservative principles. Burgess, thanks so much for being with us, my friend. Mike, thank you. And I appreciate it. And, and for those who are not aware, about two years ago, before I was even thinking about uh, uh, joining you, uh, you guys in Congress, we, I was, uh, I was uh, doing a testimony in front of you and some other friends now against reparations. So it's come, come a long way. And, and I appreciate the, the, the process and looking forward to doing a lot, a lot of good things with you guys for sure. You are a star witness in the committee, and, and Jim Jordan and, and several of our colleagues on the committee, Louis Gomert and others, we, we all whisper to each other, man, he would make a great member of Congress. And you know what? It was providential. You're with us. Uh, look, I wanted to have you on the program today because uh, we're addressing the necessity and the methods of defending truth and principle in a culture that is increasingly hostile to both. And one of the most uh, divisive issues in America today is what many see as an increasing and ugly racial divide in this country. And, and we have to face it, and we should. And you have such a compelling perspective on this important subject. And, and I, I wonder if you could just share a bit on how Christians and, and thoughtful people should think about and approach all these emerging and, and increasingly divisive issues regarding race. I think the, the biggest, uh, um, I guess, way to overcome what we're dealing with now is to go back and, and learn our history. Uh, and, and, you know, we have a remarkable history together, and it's because of our foundation, our Judeo-Christian values that, uh, that begin our, our journey as a nation uh, that actually has allowed us to be the, the freest and uh, the most embraceive country in the history of mankind. But yet, if we don't know that, it's very easy to change the narrative. And I happen to have been very blessed, uh, Mike. I, I grew up in a remarkable uh, uh, community, segregated community in Tallahassee, Florida, KKK, Jim Crow. But boy, we had a remarkable uh, uh generation of before us that believed in our country, believed in meritocracy, and they were they were with pride taught about our history. <clears throat> and and what what you find out if you if you if you go that route is how much we've done together. And and also understanding that we have an ideology that we truly are uh, that's against what everything we believe in. Uh, my very simple great uh, upbringing in, in, in Tallahassee was very simple this love of God, country, family, respect for women and authority. And it really keeps, keeps it kind of simple when you think about how we can work together, if we understand that, uh, realize we all make mistakes, realize our country made mistakes, but then realize how far we've come and how far we've grown. So uh, we have to be the kind of people that, first of all, forgive, forgive each other, 
uh, forgive those who made mistakes in the past and then feel blessed for those in our past who gave us this great opportunity to live the American dream we live today. That has to resonate more than the anger, the hatred, the divisiveness, because there's another side of the, of the, of the picture of Judeo-Christian values and it's hatred. We cannot allow that to, uh, to overcome and overwhelm us uh, as we move forward. We, we just love that about your approach and your message, uh, Burgess. And, and it, it is so important in, in our churches, in our curriculum, our public policy, to focus on conveying hope and that, that hopeful kind of, that encouraging message as opposed to advancing this idea that Americans are all divided and, and composed of only oppressors versus the oppressed and all this other stuff that, that is being hurled at us today. But um, you're such an effective voice on that. And um, what's your message to young people on how to rise above all this, how to, how to not submit to a defeating kind of victim mentality? Well, I think a couple of things. Uh, it comes down to our parenting. Uh, we have to, as parents, recognize that uh, we just can't take for granted the, the environment that we grew up in, you know, in which we were safe, in which we had teachers that taught us uh, how to love our country, we were taught to respect flag. Those things are, are, are now uh, at risk. So parents need to step up. We need to get engaged. I know we have a very, very busy life. We live in this, this freedom bubble, but our future, our kids' future rely on us being engaged and making sure we're fighting for their rights to feel good about themselves. We have right now uh, an unprecedented way, uh, an, an ideology that truly is taking away the hopes, the dreams, and, and teaching us to do what I grew out of. We, I grew out of, my generation grew out of the fact of judging each other based on our skin color. If you start to do that and you don't think about the person's character, the fact that we all are brothers and sisters in, 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 in the sight of God, if we forget that, it's very easy to go the direction of, of, of not liking each other or making decisions based on things that have, the people have no control of. So I'll say this, <clears throat> parents have to start the process. Young people always drift toward the light, always drift toward those who make you feel good, who feel hopeful, uh, who uh, give you a positive attitude. If you find yourself in an environment or you're turning on the TV or around music that, that brings you down, that makes you angry, that makes you nervous and anxious, get away from it, turn it off. We can we turn can it do off. That, but make turn those, it off. But turn those little decisions for sure to make that happen. Head, head to the light. Burgess, we're coming up on a hard break. Appreciate you so much, my friend. Congressman Burgess Owens, go to his website. You'll learn a lot more. I'm Congressman Mike Johnson. Come back. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President. Tony Perkins, live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history, and it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org Roe. The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. 
The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org slash Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org Nigeria. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts. Welcome back to Washington Watch. This is Congressman Mike Johnson filling in for Tony Perkins, who's on the road traveling back to Washington, D.C. from California. So we'll hear more about that trip later this week. I am really grateful to, to be with you. We've had an all-star uh, panel today on the program, and I had saved the last uh, segment for one of my dear friends and a voice and a name that you all know, Ray Comfort. And we're having a little technical difficulty at the moment trying to get him on. And so let, let me just share with you something that's on my heart while we're awaiting uh, uh, Ray. They'll let me know if they get him. You know, we're coming up on the uh, anniversary of our nation, our birthday, as it were, July 4th will be 245 years old as a nation. And often when I'm around talking to constituents back in my district in Louisiana or when we're in a church on Sundays doing a uh, pulpit supply or something like that, we, we talk about uh, our nation and, and this age that we're coming up on. And, and uh, it seems like a long time to us. But when you think about it, really on the long span of human history, 245 years, is, is really like nothing uh, in, in when you look at it in that context. And the important thing for us to remember is that we have an experiment in self-governance here, a constitutional republic. And this is an appropriate thing for us to recall. We're talking about defending truth. Uh, this is a republic that we have to keep, and we only do that by defending and preserving the foundational principles of the country. And that relates uh, in, in, in big ways to what we're talking about on the theme today, defending truth in an age of unbelief. We have to remember all these foundational principles that our guests are talking about. And we, we've got uh, this, this super guest now on the line, and I don't want to belabor the point. I want to go straight with him. Sometimes in the midst of, of so many troubles, all these cultural and, and political skirmishes, you know, it's easy to lose sight of the most important thing. And in the, the thicket of all these temporal struggles that we find ourselves engaged in today, we can sometimes lose sight of the eternal. And I wanted to catch up with one of my dear friends in this last segment I mentioned. Um, he, he really is one of the most effective voices in the world advocating every day to keep the main thing the main thing. Ray Comfort uh, really needs no introduction. He's one of the best-known evangelists on the planet. He's the founder and the CEO of Living Waters and best-selling author of more than 90 books. Yes, I said nine zero, uh, including How to Know God Exists and the Evidence Bible, which a lot of people are carrying copies of. 
He co-hosts the award-winning television program, We're the Master. It airs every in every country in the world now. And he's the executive producer of 180, Evolution versus God, Audacity, and other uh, famous films now. Uh, Ray, thanks so much for being with us, my friend. I'm glad we got you. You're, you're coming to us from California, right? It's a joy, yeah. Like, totally, dude. California. <laughs> so I started the program in the first segment with Ken Ham, and, and I've always said he has a really cool accent, but yours is equally cool. Uh, you guys are not from the same island, right? No, no, he, he's from that small island off the coast of New Zealand called Australia. And Australians <laughs> do talk different from New Zealand. Australians talk more like this, don't they, mate? It's a little more coarse <laughs> than cultured New Zealand accent. Right. So, um, listen, we've been talking today about some pretty serious subjects. There's so much to, to talk about uh, in this arena about defending truth. And let's start with Living Waters it, itself. Uh, much of our audience is familiar with your work, but but tell us briefly about the ministry and, and why it exists. How long have you been at this, Ray? I've been at it since I got saved. Basically, I've had a concern for the lost and started a ministry called Living Waters back in 1974, 75, I think. And our purpose in existing is to equip the church to uh, reach the lost, to teach them how to do what Jesus did and how to effectively take the message of everlasting life to the lost without being offensive. And there's a way to do it, and it's to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And most people have lost sight of how to do that. And what we do is bring them back to what the scriptures say. You know, I saw a, a poll recently, I think it was George Barna's research, and they asked uh, all segments of the population if they were familiar with the Great Commission. And Ray, the numbers were staggering. I mean, um, in every demographic, millennials, I think it's like 10% of millennials in the United States of America uh, who even know what the Great Commission is anymore. So the, the challenge is, is, is giant. And I would assume that in your perspective, it, things have changed a bit since you founded this ministry in the mid-70s. Do, do you find that this is a, a more challenging um, a project today than it was when you started the ministry? Yeah, as a nation, particularly our nation of America, I've been here for over 30 years, we have strayed in exactly the same way Israel strayed. If you study the history of Israel, it's very predictable. They would give themselves to idolatry after they forsake, uh, forsook God's law. Ten commandments, push them aside. Then you create a God in your own image without a sense of justice or truth or righteousness. That leaves you with a freedom to have sexual sin as much as you like. And that's exactly what, and then comes judgment. That's what happened with Israel again and again. In the United States, we have a nation forsook the, as the nation forsook the Ten Commandments. We've got rhythm from schools, from courtrooms, from everywhere. We hate God's moral law. Then we create a God in our own image, not an idol, not a golden calf, but an idol within our minds. And that's why we have politicians who have convictions that are an abomination to God. They're against scripture, killing of children in the womb, forsaking of the uh, institution of marriage for other perverted ideas. And yet they say, I pray every night. And it's because it's to their own God of their own making without a sense of right or wrong, a divine butler, a kind of a celestial Santa Claus. And what we need to do is put the fear of God back into America. That's what we've lost. You know, in the 1950s, America was a God-fearing nation. They had a semblance of God. The commandments were still respected by people. They knew it was wrong to steal, lie, blaspheme, commit adultery, etc. You could actually leave your cars unlocked. You can leave your house unlocked. And because we've strayed from God's law and lost the fear of God, uh, we have a nation that's given to lawlessness. And uh, our only answer for the ails of America uh, to return to the gospel. When I became a Christian back in 19, 
72, 1.30 in the morning, April the 24th, I instantly became pro-life. I instantly became one man, one woman when it came to marriage. I instantly loved the things God loved and hate the things that God hated. Why? Because God takes his law and writes it upon your heart and causes you to walk in his statutes when you are born again, when you become a Christian. So that's what we need to get back to, a preaching of the gospel that Jesus preached. And that's not the wonderful, I hope, I hope you don't mind me just talking away here, Mike, but I'd like to no, share. No, I don't even want to interrupt you because it's, 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 it's pure gold. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. And that's not the wonderful plan message. If you go to most church websites and look for their gospel proclamation, it says something like this. God has a wonderful plan for your life. That is another gospel. It is not biblical. It can't be substantiated with scripture. If you think our message is to tell the world that God has a wonderful plan for their life and there's something missing within their heart as a God-shaped vacuum, tell that to Stephen as he's being stoned to death. Tell it to James as he's being beheaded. Tell it to the thief on the cross as he started with his wonderful plan. He repented of his sin, gave his life to Christ, had assurance of salvation, and was immediately immediately had his legs broken with a Roman spear and asphyxiated. That's the beginning of his wonderful plan. Look at the disciples and how 11 of them were slaughtered for their faith. The foundation of the church is soaked in blood. And you say, what about the abundant life? Abundant means full. And the apostle Paul had a life that was filled with beating, stonings, shipwreck, imprisonment, and martyrdom. Our message for the world isn't that God will give you happiness. It's that God will give you righteousness because riches profit not on the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And there's a way to give this hard message uh, to sinners and have them accept it. Uh, I have two confidences when I approach a complete stranger. These are the two confidences. One is this is a human being. He's not a beast, as evolution says. And within him is eternity written upon his heart. Something in him says, oh, I don't want to die. That's his God-given will to live. So I tap in on that and say, do you ever think about dying? Are you afraid of death? Because I know he's not a beast. He has this nature that's created in God's image, and he loves life and wants to hold on to it. That's the first confidence. And the second is that because he's not a beast and he's made in God's image, he has the work of the law written upon his heart via his conscience. He's a moral creation. That's what separates man from the beasts. We set up court systems and bring retribution when there is transgression. We'll chase a man to the ends of the earth and spend literally millions of dollars to bring him to justice, to try him, and then house him in a prison for years because we're not like the animals. We're made in God's image with a sense of right and wrong. So I tap into that as Jesus did by appealing to his conscience, not his intellect. His intellect is a place of argument. It's in a state of enmity towards God. I speak to his conscience, as Jesus did in Mark 10, verse 17, by bringing up the moral law, the Ten Commandments, which are written upon his heart. Ask him if he's lied or stolen, blasphemed, looked upon a woman to lust for her and committed adultery in his heart. And in doing so, that work of the law bears witness, according to Romans 2, verse 15, and he begins to say, boy, I'm in big trouble with God on Judgment Day. And then he sees his need of a Savior. And then the gospel makes sense because the good news isn't good news unless we realize we need God's mercy. So that's the point of our ministry. We teach Christians how to do that and how to be effective and inoffensive at the same time. And you do such a remarkable job with that. And, and uh, by the way, before I forget, tell everybody the website where they can go and see some of these compelling videos of these conversion testimonies and all this. And, and that's YouTube very channel. kind of you. Yes. 
Yeah, we have a, a, a YouTube channel that you can get to through livingwaters.com. The YouTube channel's got 165 million views. And this is a wow. Christian YouTube channel, 165 million. And on there, you can see what I'm talking about. You can see atheists backsliding. The way to make an atheist, atheist backslide is just ask him one question. Do you really believe the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything? Which is what an atheist believes by default. If he doesn't believe God created everything or there's a creative force, he believes nothing was the prime mover that created everything. Flowers and birds and trees and seasons and fruits and all the marvels of the human eye and the human body. That's insane. And you see them change their mind in a second and say, well, I, I just don't know if God exists. And then you say, do you think you're a good person and take them to the law? So people can see that on our YouTube channel and it will give you courage to see there's nothing to fear when you do what Jesus did and appeal to the conscience rather than the intellect, the place of argument. And this is not a particularly complicated thing to do because see, Ray, I think, and you know this, that, that a lot of people, a lot of Christians today are reluctant to share their faith, certainly in this culture that is increasingly hostile to, to those ideas and those principles and biblical truth. Uh, but but they, they often feel like they don't know enough. They won't have the answer. They're not sure they can answer the question. How do you respond to people who have that reluctance and, and give them the courage to, to be salt and light and share their faith that they're supposed to do? Well, there's a great answer. When someone asks you a difficult question, you say, I don't know. I do it all the time. I really don't know the answer. I'll try and find out if you're interested. But really, most people, especially atheists and people that are given to sin, don't really want an answer. They just want an excuse to carry on with their pornography and fornication with their girlfriend. And so what you do when you speak to the, uh, the conscience is you take it out of that argument arena and speak to his knowledge of right and wrong. Let me just show you how I get my uh, interviews on YouTube. There are over 2,500 interviews, and I have a key uh, to getting to the lost. This is it. Uh, this is my dog wearing sunglasses, he comes on a bike with me and I can go up to any complete stranger and say, uh, how you doing? And the first thing they say is, hey, I love your dog. How's he wear sunglasses? Tell me about blah, blah, blah. And I get to meet him, build a relationship. And my dog is bait when I go fishing for me. And so if you've got a, a dog, use him to reach the lost. You'll, uh, you'll uh, build a bridge immediately with strangers with a dog. If you don't have a dog, get one for the sake of the gospel. <laughs> Paul said, be all things to all men. You might reach some, right? Even if you have to use your canine. Um, look, it, you, you guys have some of the most creative methods of sharing the gospel, and, and your, your, your Bible tracks are some of the most popular things probably in the world. You, you may be the top publisher of Bible tracks at Living Waters. Um, the Million Dollar Track is one that um, has really taken off, and I'm told you have a, a new version of that. Is it something that's just coming out? Tell me about that. Yes, yeah, it's very exciting. My father was very creative, Mike. Read Genesis chapter one, I walk in his steps. This is the most exciting thing we've ever produced. This is a bundle of, whoops, upside down, million dollar bills. And let's see if I can get it on camera here. There we go. Um, and it's got no title on the front or on the back. And it's actually a gospel of John. And we say... So, Ray, just for a moment, for our, for our radio listeners... He's, yeah, he's holding up uh, what looks like a bundle of million-dollar bills. I mean, it looks like real uh, money, um, but but you open it up, and it's not just bills in a stack. There's something inside, right? So what's inside? It's the Gospel of John, and it begins the introduction by saying, uh, this publication you're holding is far more valuable than all the money in the world because it tells you how to find everlasting life. Mike, I'm so excited about this because we ordered 50000 for the first print, and before it even got 
delivered, we saw one and got another print of 100,000 because we believe this is going to take off because it gets rid of fear of rejection. Who's not going to want a bundle of a $100 million bills? So people can see a video about this on livingwaters.com. Just go to store and then you'll see it down there. Just click on the picture and you can watch a video and it tells you how to pre-order them or get notified when they come into the ministry, livingwaters.com. I absolutely love the creativity behind this. And I, I'm, I'm convinced it's going to take off. The original million-dollar bill track was one of the most popular things. No one turns that down on the street. When you hand it to them, everyone is intrigued by it, and they read the message on the back. And now you have the whole Gospel of John. Uh, what a great idea. Uh, Ray, you guys are doing uh, such great work at, uh, at Living Waters, and I'm so grateful for your voice. Um, once again, just real quickly, the website, tell everybody how to contact you and how to, how to uh, tap into all these amazing resources, because everyone can use these, um, and, and there's some really creative ways to share the gospel there. One more time. Yeah, for, for, if, for if, you, if you can't give someone a gospel of John that looks like a bundle of million-dollar bills, just drop it on the ground. Someone's going to pick it up, and right. you just pray about it. But livingwaters.com, click on store, and then you'll see it pictured just to one side. When you click on that, you can watch a video that'll blow you away. It's just so exciting. So, so grateful for your ministry, as I said, Ray, and the whole team there at Living Waters. Tell Emil Zawain and, and all the guys uh, we said hello. Y'all keep up the great work uh, out in California, holding up the West Coast. There you go. Ray Comfort, thanks for being with us, my friend. Thank you, Mike. Well, it, it has uh, been uh, quite a program. We crammed a lot in here. I'm delighted to fill in for Tony Perkins today on Washington Watch. We talked about defending the truth in an age of unbelief, and Ken Ham and Congressman Burgess Owens and Dr. Brad Jerkovich and Ray Comfort know a little bit about that. This is Congressman Mike Johnson signing off. It has been a great blessing to be with you and hope I can do it again sometime soon. God bless you. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.